Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. Today I want to share some thoughts on Rahab and what God says about lying. We first hear of Rahab in the second chapter of Joshua, which is why we're talking about her now, and she is described as a prostitute. I know that sometimes there's a discussion about exactly how that word should be translated there in the Old Testament, but since in both the book of Hebrews, specifically chapter 11, verse 31, and the letter from James, chapter 2, verse 25, refer to her as a harlot, I'm going to go with that original uh, common translation of prostitute. It seems to be important to the story. Now, first of all, the story of Rahab outdoes any Cinderella story that you've ever heard, because in the friendly children's fairy tales, Cinderella is a victim of what's been going on around her, and she's otherwise known as a very nice, sweet-natured girl who's being taken advantage of. I think one of the reasons the classic Cinderella tale resonates with so many people is because that's how we like to see ourselves. We like to see ourselves as innocent victims rather than like Rahab as someone who really needs to be saved from sin. Now, obviously, she's not the only person in the Bible that needs to be saved, but she gives us a particular picture of this. So let's just review a little bit of that. She is a Gentile woman, a prostitute, in a city that is so bad that when God says to destroy it, he says to destroy everything, don't keep anything. But Rahab because she fears the power and judgment of God as she has seen it displayed, because even though the children of Israel had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years because they had such short memories and couldn't have faith in God, the people of Jericho had been watching for 40 years in fear, waiting for the judgment to come. So all Rahab did was recognize who God was and ask for mercy. And this is where the story gets a little bit tricky because In her attempt at her first steps of faith in asking for mercy from God, she lies. But I want to talk about how I think that should be properly viewed in the story on the basis of what the whole Bible says about lying. But first, let's round out the summary of Rahab and point out that not only was she and her whole family, she saved her whole family by initiating that step of faith. They were brought into um, live with the people of Israel, but She got married by one of the spies, Salmon, and became the mother of Boaz, who married Ruth. So if I've counted the generations right, Rahab is the great-great-grandmother of King David, and she is in the line of Christ. It is unique that she is mentioned specifically by name in the line of Christ because not very many women are. And also, when she is mentioned in Hebrews and James, it is because of her faith and her acting on that faith. But again, just because she is held up of an example of faith, does that mean that God is condoning her lying? I used the blueletterbible.org 
to look up all the references, all the verses that have to do with the word lie, lying, and deceit. That was a little bit tricky because lie and lying are also verbs, and so I didn't count those. But I found 135 verses that specifically talk about lies, lying, and deceit. A couple of those references are simply part of a story. A couple of them are people responding to false accusations of lying. And there are a few that are actually Paul declaring that he is not lying about telling the gospel. Whenever lying is specifically mentioned, it is mentioned very clearly as a negative thing. And it is frequently mentioned along with deceit and the idea that you have to lie to deceive someone. I'd like to take just a moment to talk about the difference between keeping a secret or a mystery and being deceitful. There is a difference, for instance, in not telling someone something because it's none of their business or it's beyond their comprehension, such as with children, or it's just not a good time to tell them. God indicates that he does that. There is the mystery of Jesus Christ. It's revealed in the New Testament. But deceitfulness is an attempt to get someone to believe something that is not the truth. And sometimes, as we see by various examples, that includes what people call a half-truth. The serpent told Eve a half-truth to get her to think that what he was saying was okay. Abraham told a half-truth about Sarah being his sister to deceive them into thinking that she wasn't his wife. These things were particularly done to misrepresent so that someone would not know the truth. So why is a lie so bad? What makes it so bad? At its core, you just have to admit that God has says it's bad and that it's contrary to his nature and good character, and so it is bad. I'm going to read just a few verses from both the Old and the New Testament. First is the book of Leviticus chapter 19 beginning with the end of verse 10. I am Yahweh your God. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not deceive one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. Then there's Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus Christ in chapter 53, verse 9. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. In Mark chapter 7, verse 20, Jesus is explaining a parable as the disciples are asking him to, and he said, That which proceeds out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the hearts of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, sexual sins, murders, thefts, covetings, wickedness, deceit lustful desires, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Then in John chapter 8, we have a section where Jesus has just said that he is the light of the world, and the Pharisees are challenging him, and he is meeting their challenge head on. And when you get down to verse 39, they claim that their father is Abraham. Jesus very clearly tells them that they are not, and they get pretty mad. And then Jesus responds, Therefore, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came out and have come from God. For I haven't come of myself, but he sent me. Why don't you understand my speech? 
because you can't hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks on his own, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And let's just finish up with Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17, where it says, In this way, God, being determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, interposed with an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have a strong encouragement who have fled for refuge to take hold of the hope set before us. So that's just a sample of what the Bible says about lying. So then why do people often want to say that lying is okay? First of all, we need to be clear that when there's a telling of a story that says someone did something, but they are blessed in spite of it, that's not condoning condoning something that God has very specifically said is wrong. We could use the example of polygamy. There are many places where people who are known to be godly people, given as giants of faith like Abraham and David, had multiple wives. But it's very clear that that is not how God designed it and not how it's supposed to be according to New Testament teaching as well. Every time in a biblical story where it very specifically talks about someone lying, whether it be false prophets or Satan, it's very clearly a bad thing. It really comes down to this question. Does God need us to break his principles to fulfill his purposes? Is there ever a good reason to lie, or does lying go against God's clear command and statements and indicate that we don't trust God enough to do things his way? By making a decision to lie based on human wisdom, which is unavoidably a clear violation of his standards, do we run the risk of harming his reputation or the work he is doing in an unbeliever's heart? There are instances of persecutors being convicted and repenting because of the godliness of believers' choices. But even if we don't see anybody repent, it is worth noting that we should trust God enough to obey his principles, even when it's hard, even when it goes against human wisdom. Sometimes people ask the obvious question, but what if bad things happen because you tell the truth? Well, first, Bad things happen, and more lying isn't going to make that stop, and it will probably make more bad things happen, because lying is wickedness, and wickedness is bad, and leads to bad things. Second, we as humans tend to have a short-sighted perspective. What if you have a young child who tells you, I had to lie, otherwise they would have called me names? Most of us would would counsel that child that his or her integrity was more important than what a bully thought. Plus, dealing with the disdain of the bully helps to build character and inner strength. Third, you can put it like this. I had to do an immoral thing to stop someone else from doing an immoral or hurtful thing. That just sounds like rottenness all around, spreading contamination. The story of Rahab reminds me of the story of Jesus talking to the woman at the well. God, Jesus, meets people where they are in their faith. If we take the whole story of the Bible into account, we will be able to deduce that Rahab later heard the law and came to realize that lying was the wrong thing to do. But the point of the story right there was that she was asking God for help to save her, which he did in spite of the fact 
that she was a lying harlot. No Christian would say, oh, it's okay to be a harlot because Rahab was a harlot and God saved her. An interesting counterexample is the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. They were supposed to very clearly know the truth, and it is because of their attempt to lie to the Holy Spirit that they are struck dead. In summary, I think the story of Rahab, besides being historical, is that God saves people in spite of all of their faults, in spite of wicked habits that he's going to help them overcome later as they are born again and walk according to the Spirit. I think it's quite possible that Rahab herself would roll her eyes at anybody using her story to say that it was okay to lie, but then she might also say, God will help them grow because he is faithful to complete the good work that he has begun in us. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 